I'm Wayne Rubin, and I want to welcome you to the podcast, Hard Yards in Leadership, where we explore the tough leadership challenges experienced by successful leaders along their journey. I hope hearing their stories will help you predict, prepare, and survive the inevitable challenges you will face on your leadership journey. Let's get into it. Good everyone, and welcome to Hard Yards in Leadership. So, We often get to speak to entrepreneurs who start a business and they're in the relatively new stages. We talk to leaders who've um, who've taken businesses public and whatever else. Today's an opportunity to talk to someone who, you know, he's he's cut in a different way and his story is really quite different. I think you're going to really like it. My guest for today is Ron Gottlieb and Ron's the owner of Ricky Richards, which is a family-owned private company and a success story over 40 years in the making. So Ron's basically been in the family, leading that business that was started with his late brother and developing it, running it, creating more and more success, expanding, etc. for over 40 years. They specialize in the development and distribution of commercial and industrial textiles. Ron's philosophy, and you're going to enjoy listening to Ron, Ron's philosophy is all about doing the right thing, quality stock holdings, and really making work enjoyable. And Ron enjoys spending time with everyone all over the organization. He's just so not into hierarchy. He leads the way of having a fun workplace environment. And his staff members say he's known to be a welcome distraction amongst the team. How nice. So when I chat with Ron, I'm exploring some different hard yards from his journey, including how he handled the um, the death of his brother, who was also the co-founder, as I'd mentioned, And he had to take over the leadership reins at that stage in a really difficult time. Also be delving into how he handled the COVID era, which was truly business threatening for for, um, him and the organization. And how he learned that sometimes being loyal to a few employees could endanger the rest. And that's something that a lot of us have to deal with in, in leadership. And amongst all of that, we'll certainly also get to hear plenty of Ron's philosophies of business and life and people leadership. And these are philosophies that have truly stood the test of time. You're going to really enjoy listening to Ron and his stories. With that, welcome, Ron. Thank you, Wayne. I feel rather privileged and honoured to be here, a part of your uh, your wonderful podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's absolutely fantastic to have you on. And look, I will share with the listeners right up front that, um, you know, you and I have known each other for a little while. This isn't the first time we've had a chat. <laughs> <laughs> but Ron, a lot of people kind of have leadership experience that sort of the bit comes from here and a bit comes from there you've you're an unusual beast in these days because you've done a pretty long run working for what has now become an exceptionally successful family-owned business right Uh, I guess it's a nice way that you put it that I often don't think of it that way but sometimes you don't really understand what you've created and where you're at because you're just a part of it from within yeah basically but Share with the listeners your, your journey with Ricky Richards. So, so Ricky uh, was started uh, by my late brother in 1983 and within a year I joined him. He just thought I'd be a good addition and, and we always got on and he thought I'd be a good salesman and probably it turned out to be reasonably astute. He was very good at sourcing product and we just started from there. We had a few products that we were trying to buy and sell. We were traders, and, and I guess to this day we still are traders. I won't say we didn't know what we were doing. We had a few products. We were trying to sell them, and then as we grew bit by bit, someone would say, can you get us this or can you get us that? But we're talking about the days when we didn't have a mobile phone. I know that might be terrible for some people to hear, 
We didn't have a fax machine in those days either, although that's antiquated. Believe it or not, we started with a telex machine when we were sending information over to various suppliers around the world. Yeah, yeah. And we just started to grow. It was a very simple philosophy. Buy some reasonable quality products, try and sell them to customers. We'd have phone books from all over the country. We'd ring people cold calling, just really the, the simple hard yards that you can find in any one of thousands of books on business. And to this day, we still have some of those customers from 35, 40 years ago who still buy from us and possibly the next generations of buy from us because a lot of them are family businesses. And whenever I hear one of those names bandied around the office, I always think to myself, how fortunate because people would take a chance on these two brothers from Sydney and, you know, we're talking about people in the northwest shelf, Gulf of Carpentaria, down in Tassie, across to Perth. And we were just a voice on the phone. Yeah. Would you like to buy some stuff from us? Sometimes <laughs> they were less than polite. <laughs> and other times they'd say, oh, yeah, right, mate, we'll give you a go. And I thank my lucky stars. I wouldn't have the business today without those people who are willing to take a chance on trying to do some business with us. So we're also in the same boat these days. We'll try and take a chance with um, young businesses and be as helpful as can, be, be, be they a supplier or a customer. Yeah, it's a great principle, isn't it? Remember from whence you came and you started off the two of you. I think there's a, you got a few more on the team these days, right? Yes, there was the two of us and a, uh, a salesperson, a warehouse person. That was about it. These days, I don't know exactly, Wayne, I'm sorry. I think it's around 45 people in the company. We've grown. There are people who work from in other cities around the country. We built an agency network with some agents, but we still do a lot of stuff from head office here in Sydney. And um, we've been fortunate that some people have stayed with us, not necessarily for the whole duration that I've been here, because this is this is actually our 40th year. But we've certainly had quite a number of people, I think there's at least two or three who might still be here after 30 plus years. We've had others who've been here for 20 to 30 years, no problem. Um, I guess sometimes you can fool some of the people some of the time that they're having a good time. <laughs> but there's no greater testament to having the right inner principles and values in your business if you've got customers that stay with you for decades and staff that stay with you for decades. So um, you're not going to say that, but I will. <laughs> you're very kind, but it is something we, we do hold dear to our, our hearts, actually. Yeah. So this podcast is called Hard Yards in Leadership. So let's start to explore some of those. First of all, Ron, I'm keen to hear from you if you kind of cast your mind back because, you know, soon after you started, at some stage you were in a leadership role. And, you know, for most of us, we remember the first time we were actually like realised that we're expected to be a leader. Can you recall that and, and, and tell us about what was happening then? Wow. I think it was almost by default, really. The two of us just sort of shared our responsibilities together. I guess when you go into business for yourself, you become a leader. You've made the decision that you want to do things in a certain way. They always seem right at the time. History then shows you whether they were great decisions or good decisions or average decisions. I wouldn't say anything is a particularly bad decision because I learned not so long ago, and, and you, you grab tidbits along the way, that every decision was a good decision at the time. You generally weigh up your options. You decide we could go this way or we could go that way or another way even. 
and then you've made that decision for whatever reasons at that time. History may decide that you've forgotten why you did it, and I don't know that you actually fail. This is a big point. Sorry, it's not quite answering your question about when it all the epiphany happened, but I, I, I... We can get to that. We can get to that. But but if I may just take you down this path, I think just some decisions are better than others. And off to use adage of mine is uh, I never really learned a lesson unless it cost me money in business. <laughs> Believe me, when it costs you money in business, you usually don't forget in a hurry. If it doesn't cost you money so much, usually you go, well, I might... I don't know if it was such a bad decision, we'll try it again, but... Generally, you don't necessarily try it again. But you, you just, as a leader, what do you do? You, you, you go down a certain path. You have people who work with you. I know technically as the owner of a company, people work for me, but I don't really like using that term. Mm. Um, I think people work for the company. Yeah. I work for the company. Yeah. It may sound a little twee, but I, I really am very strong in the fact that I work with people. Everybody has their job to do and you have to trust so going back to your question about when did I discover I was a leader, shall we say, or whatever, I don't know if I ever did. <laughs> Just got to grow around you. Partially. I guess people look to you as, as the owner of a company or the leader of a team, if you like, but they expect you to make the decisions and they're, they're wanting you to make decisions for them. Yep. They may also not agree with them all the time, but that's life in a, in a community, basically. But it sort of morphed. Yeah. And, Ron, I want to pick up on something you were saying a minute or two back. You were saying about, you know, the the challenge of making decisions and the pressure of making right decisions. And, you know, we have a lot of founders listen to the show and a lot of new leaders. And I know talking to lots of them, sometimes coaching some of them, mentoring, whatever it might be, one of the things that sort of commonly comes up is kind of this sense of pressure of having to make the right decisions. And, you know, what I was hearing you saying is that, so long as you kind of put your brain to it and and make the best decision you can, in the vast majority of instances, it's probably going to turn out right. And I think that's a really good reflection because I think people get very stressed sometimes kind of like, what if I make the wrong decision? And there aren't that many decisions that we make that literally kind of risk everything going totally pear-shaped, are they? I think that's uh, an excellent point. I've never been one to question the decision once the decision was made. You're in, you're in. You run with it. Yeah. Don't question yourself. If I can suggest that to anybody listening, you made the decision, you made it for the right reason, you weighed up whatever uh, input you have in front of you, but then by rights you should do everything in your power to make that decision go the way you were expecting it to go because you make a decision about what you're going to do, whether yeah. it's with a product, whether it's with a service, with whether it's um, some marketing or whatever it might be in, in, in whatever company you are. But as a leader, as the owner, as you don't even have to be the owner. You can be the leader of the team. It is your obligation to put every effort in to make it work the way that you were expecting it to unfold. Yeah. And I agree with you. Generally you're not always betting the farm. You're hardly ever betting the whole farm. You're betting a portion of it. Okay, that's okay. And let's stay in that space for a minute, Ron, because I know you've also in more recent years, I guess, challenged yourself a little bit to kind of step away from kind of being the hands-on day-to-day leader. And I think you've now got a general manager who kind of like takes that responsibility in in, in your business. And, you know, again, 
that kind of opens up that space of kind of delegation and, you know, I put someone in the role, but what am I prepared to give them to do and how much space do I give them and everything else? And again, I know that, you know, lots of founders and young young leaders who challenge themselves to, to delegate often tie themselves in knots about like, what is it okay to delegate and how, like, how much do I kind of like hang over the back of someone's shoulder? How do you deal with that? This is your own business. You've actually delegated a pretty big role in general manager. Okay. If you don't mind, I'll take that a step back further in time. Even before we so-called relinquish control, you have people who are managers in, in their field in, within your business. You've got to start there. You've got to just trust them. Why did you put them in? You put them in, what, well, because you have too much money and you want to just pay some more wages? Generally, that's not the case. Yeah, it's usually not that one, is it? No, it's not that one. It's more likely there's more to be done. There's a growth path for your company and you want to see that through. And, and by rights, if you want the people to grow with you, you need to be on a continual growth path. It might not be the same amount. You might want to grow 5% a year, 10% a year. These days, you have startups that are growing 1,000% a year. Well, you know, didn't happen so much in my, I don't sound like an old fart here, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, oops. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it, it's um, You have an obligation to grow because people have um, desires and needs too in their jobs and you've got to be very mindful of that too. You've got someone who's uh, an office um, admin junior who wants to move up a ladder. Well, you have an obligation, I believe anyway, to give them that growth path. And certainly I've noticed in the last 10 or 15 years if we didn't offer that growth path, I dare say we wouldn't have new people coming into the place. Yeah, they go, well, absolutely. So. Yeah, job could be good for a year or so, but you're not really giving me anywhere where I can grow. I'll go somewhere else, and I get it. So I think trust, not I think, I know, trust is critical. And as soon as you trust, you have to allow that someone might have a decision, just like you did, that may not go the way they, they wanted, and that may cost you money. And you have to come to grips with that. That's my philosophy. Mm. Others might say, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in losing. And I know some of the decisions along the way that I, I look at that some people might have made many, many years ago. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I would have done that. But I'll tell you something. If you don't allow them that latitude, they do not own anything. It's still yours. That, to me, is a no-go zone. Mm. Someone has to be able to make that decision. If it didn't quite work as well as they would have liked, they own it. Having said that, what you said earlier, that most decisions are probably okay, let's let's run with a 90, 10, not even 80, well, let's go with the old 80, 20. So eight out of 10, they're going to kick a goal. Yeah, yeah. Who owns that success? They do. Yeah. Very powerful. As soon as you have your fingerprints on it, well, it's not necessarily their success, and it's not necessarily their error either. I'm not error. You know the word. I'm, I don't know what other word to use. But, or, or their thing that didn't quite work. I hate using the word failure. You don't want to use the F word. So I think trust is the important bit. And that, that goes back to many years ago as we started to grow and we realised we needed sales managers. We needed a marketing manager. We needed managers of the warehouse. We used to do all that. My brother and I used to unload containers by hand. Now, these guys, God knows how many forklifts are in this joint and whatever. And I look there and go, uh, yeah. Anyway, I suppose I was a bit uh, fitter and stronger, and but I was also a lot younger too. But do you know what I mean? We, we did muck in and do everything. And you come to a point where you can't. Yes. 
Yes. You know, you, you're travelling overseas. We're importers, so we're travelling overseas. So I can't be here. I'm two or three weeks away overseas. So someone has to be here to, to control things and they have to be able to have the authority to do that. So that was going back in history. Now, when you come forward and you said to me, we now have a GM. Yeah, my GM, Catherine, she's tougher than I am. She's a cracker. And she'll get upset at me for saying that, but I don't care. She'll probably <laughs> listen to this at some point. But she has shown me things that are just so totally different to how I would have gone about them, but they're so good. Yeah. And how lucky am I? Yes. How lucky yes. am I to have someone who does that? And I'm sure there are lots of companies out there hopefully listening to us and people listening to that. They'll have the same thing or they'll be thinking about that. And I'd say need to find the right person. There's no question. And that's a whole other story we can talk about down the track. But Catherine has put her own stamp on the company and she's built a management team around her and they are doing things in this place that can I tell you, Wayne, in a month of Sundays, I wouldn't have been able to figure out some of these things. Yeah, yeah. But they're younger. They've had more exposure to different businesses. Remember, I've been in the same business for 40 years. Yeah. Now, we've changed the way we do business, but it's still the same business. And this input that comes in. And then I just think it's great. I'll just start rabbiting on. So you've got to just stop me. But, you know, young people coming into the place, I mean, how invigorating. You also touched on, Ron, something that I think is extraordinarily important which is this concept of, of actually trying to put smarter people around you. And, you know, from my perspective, that's something that, that you know, in different roles in, in multinationals and so on, you know, I, I, I always knew we were in good shape when I looked around the room and looked at the, the leadership team around me and, and kind of thought, well, I'm just about the dumbest person in this room. And every time I was in a position of being able to, to say that, the business was going fantastic. And yet I think... You know, again, for newer leaders and, and, and people who are still trying to work it all out. And also we have, you know, there's probably quite a few uh, folks, you know, from uh, Asian countries and other parts of the world that, that will be listening where there's kind of cultural elements and this sort of sense of, you know, the boss has got to be the, the, the one who knows everything and gets it right. But ultimately, you know, I think, you know, just exactly like you, you were saying, you know, with Catherine and the people who she's pulled around her, you really set the business up for success when you go out for people that have skills that you don't have knowledge that you don't have, you know, a level sometimes of drive that, that you just don't maybe have anymore for whatever reason. And I guess that's what you're saying is, is part of your formula, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think the, the old story about being surrounding yourself with smart people and being the dumbest one in the room, it has a lot of credibility, but don't lose sight of yourself. Seriously. Because how do you gauge who's smarter and who's not? Everybody has their strength for whatever reason because otherwise you wouldn't have employed them within your company or someone wouldn't have, you know, I don't employ people anymore, (laughs) me personally. I just don't have any say in it, really. It's every now and then someone might say, oh, we're interviewing someone for a second time. We'd like you to pop in and just say hello, okay, for whatever reason. But generally I'm not involved anymore. But someone has said this person has something and they will do all right in this company and we get some of those right and some of those don't happen so right, but that's life. Now, and I think we've all faced that. Yeah. yeah. I can quite categorically say that all my ideas are brilliant and then I bring them to the table and then I find out they ain't so brilliant. <laughs> but that's okay. And I've always, I, I've got to say, one of the very things that I like doing from day one 
when young people would first come in, even the junior, and I was employing people in those days, not many people took me up on it because they're scared of the owner, they're scared of the boss, whatever, and I never hung with that hat. But I would say even to the most junior person, if you have an idea, bring it to us around the table. I don't believe there's any dumb ideas. There are ideas that fly and there are ideas that don't necessarily fly. But even the ones that don't fly, often they can be a catalyst or a seed for a further idea. Yes. But someone else has come along and listened to that and gone, yeah, I get part of that. Not quite exactly what you pitched me, but I've got something in there. I'm going to extract a little gem out of that. Yeah, yeah. And you never know what's going to happen. And I've always been a very strong proponent of that. So if that's a good bit of leadership, I'm happy to, to share that because I've always said in our business, if you can't convince your colleagues around the table, how the hell are you going to convince the customer or the supplier? Yeah, exactly. You guys are on the same side. Mm. So the people on the same side of you can't come to the party, so you thrash it out. Yeah, yeah. And then when you've all agreed that actually not so great, great, move on. There'll yeah. be another idea tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And that sort of links into the smartest and the dumbest person in the room thing. But, you know, know yourself. And I love the fact that, that I can come up with an idea, think it's brilliant, and they go, no, that's crap, Ron. That's shit. I'm good with that. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, I just, you know, because, you know, what happens? You sit there thinking of some idea and you go, wow, that's fantastic. And you can't wait to share it with someone. And they go, yeah, but did you think of that? And you go, no, I didn't think of that, actually. <laughs> gotcha. And this taps us into a space that, that's one of my personal fascinations, which is curiosity, using curiosity and baking curiosity into the culture of your organisation. Because exactly what you've just described is exactly what I believe essentially powers organisations to be able to continue to adapt and to, and to continue to take good and turn it into better and take yesterday's best practice and find ways of finding new best practices that are significantly better again. But to me, it all comes down to exactly what you were saying, which is that culture where when people have an idea, they feel it's okay or it's even expected to kind of voice it up. And even if it's voicing it up as something kind of against something the boss is saying, you've created that culture where everyone's mind is active at the, you know, at the table, as we say. And you know, that's something a lot of organizations lose these days, you know, that, that, you know, people get shut down, told, you know, don't challenge the boss, whatever it might be. And I think those organizations struggle to kind of adapt in the face of a changing environment. And, and, and you're showing us from someone who's been in a senior leadership and ownership role, you know, over a long time, just how important it is to have what's fundamentally, it's actually humility. It's very kind. Um, I think people need to have a voice. And I have to know that they have a voice. Strong leaders can, by default, speak over the top. I think bad leadership is just shutting people down. I, I, I hate being judgmental because I keep looking in the mirror every day and I haven't found perfection yet. I keep threatening people that if I see perfection in the mirror one day, boy, they're in for a bad day that day. <laughs> but 40 years down the track, well, actually 60 plus years down the track, I still haven't found perfection. So everybody's sweet for another, well, I'd say probably the rest of my life, actually. But the point being is, so I think shutting people down, huge no-no. Even if you know that something is not going to be quite right, you can probably pick up even from the first, second or third sentence. The humility thing is a, is a nice line that you used before. Yes, there's probably a bit of humility in there. I think empathy is a big thing. 
I probably really have not utilised that in business uh, for the majority of my business life. Probably as I got older, it sort of came to me one way or the other. Mm. And I think you have to have a path of what you want to do and what you want to achieve. Well, this might sort of sidetrack a bit, but one of the things I'm very strong on in, in our business is that people have got to have fun here. I think it's often underrated. And fun can be about the ideas coming to the table. Fun can be just having a good time. In a leadership role, I think you have a great responsibility to, to make that happen. You can still work, and it's work. We have to achieve. We have to, you know, 45 approximate employees in this company, before we begin anything, says there's a payroll to be met every fortnight. So we have an obligation to make money to pay the payroll. This is sort of, you know, homespun philosophy from my dad, if you like, but that's something that was drilled into us. Then you pay your suppliers, and then if you've made a good job of it, there's a bit left for you. Simple stuff, right? And you need everybody on board with that. And they've got to know that you've got their best interest in heart. And frankly, as a leader, you want to, to think that they've got the best interest of the company at heart. Yes. Come and do a good day's work, but go home. I know there's lots of long hours these days and, and, and I get it. And sometimes you do have to work a bit extra. You have to go past your seven and a half, eight, eight and a half hours, whatever, whatever deal you've struck with your, with your company. But there are times when the company needs you. And there are times when the company is there for you too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very important that people who work with you know that. And it can't be hollow. Yeah. Sorry, I tend to jump around a bit. So no, that's that's all good. And there's just wonderful stuff coming out in this because again, I you know I kind of I think of many of the sorts of people that I know listen to this show, and and so many of those, as I've mentioned, are kind of founders and people who are kind of like newer in their leadership journey. And a lot of founders, just like you, the you know the the buck really does stop at your desk. You know, like you you work for a big multinational, so the buck stops at your desk. It does, but ultimately, it's never your money, no matter what your role, frankly. When it's your own business, and you know, so many founders have they've got more than skin in the game. It's it's skin, blood, bone, the whole damn thing, right? <laughs> but you talk about some fundamentals of how you treat people. You talk about fundamentals like having fun at work, and and I know sometimes for leaders when they feel the pressure is on. It's kind of like we don't have time for fun now. Everyone's got to be really serious. And I'm not talking about over a few hours, but it's kind of like when the fun comes out of it because this sense that the pressure is on. And I think it's a really challenging space because ultimately, ultimately people work best when the environment is right, when they feel trusted. You know, there's a combination of things which characterize when people work best. And when you take those away, and I'm not talking about for a few hours or kind of like in end of month, you know, a couple of days, everyone has to sort of power through. But when you take those away longer term because you go, we're under pressure, you've essentially just set your organisation up to not work at its best. So it's counterintuitive. Do you have a perspective on that, Ron? I do. It's only work. Seriously. Yeah. I, look, we've been successful. Okay, I, I believe we've been successful. People tell me, you know, I've got this company. It's I, I put children through school. I live in a nice house. So, so we've been successful, but we came from bugger all. We, we started off with with tuppence halfpenny in the bank. We we had the the bank managers from hell in the in the day in the early days. At the time, we thought they were terrible. 
but with hindsight and years down the track, they were probably very helpful because they made us put the strong protocols in place and you learn from people like that. Mm. But in the end, it's only work. And my philosophy, and, and it, it, it always sounds like, you know, because someone who might be able to afford one, but it's not about that. It's about a, a sense of your mindset, if you like. Today was not such a great day for whatever reason at work. We didn't sell something or something we sold didn't work properly and, boy, we've got a problem or some, hey, take the last couple of years, I'm an importer. So when shipments didn't turn up or shipments were delayed or the freight was five times the price and you had to sort of go to customers and say, I need to charge more money, there was all sorts of things. It was just stuff. It was just stuff. And you know what? You just got to keep a sense of balance, keep a sense of reality and go, we'll come back tomorrow and have another crack. Yeah. Yeah, I know it sounds so really basic, and it and it's, it sounds a bit sort of um, naive, and it's but it's how I feel. And I think as a leader, you have to show that you've got it. Not not sorry, not that you've got leadership, that you've got this. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, we've got a few problems. We've got this. We'll get through this. Come on, guys. We'll you know, and it's a bit of sort of the rally cry and rally around the truce. But they depend on you to be strong. Yes. And, and to be there in a so-called time of crisis, if you like, or whatever, but in the end, it's just stuff. As long as you can still meet your, your obligations, that's the trick yeah. to me. The, the real trick is those obligations. You know, if the company doesn't make money for a month or two, well, you sometimes have to ride that out. And in 40 years, I'd love to tell you that every year was a record-setting year and, and you know what, Wayne? I'm going to let you in on a secret. It wasn't. Go figure. <laughs> But that's the way it was. But you had to ride through those years. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you can parlay that to the people around you, that's very important because they are, you know, especially in the last few years when we had a few um, issues around the world, people were looking to the leadership of all companies saying, you know, have, have you got this? Are you okay? Are you, is my job safe? Let's dive into that, into that Ron, because we talk about this concept of hard yards in leadership and, you know, the last few years – you know, which obviously, given the time that we're recording this, 2023, was the COVID era. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure you had a lot of really stormy weather that you had to kind of steer through. So tell us about some of the harder specific things that you had to deal with and just how you did manage to steer through all of that. Okay. Well, I'll take you a step back further if you don't mind. Go for it. So we did come through an upheaval about almost eight years ago when, I, unfortunately, I lost my brother, who was founding partner. That was a really tough gig. He was a young man. He was only 59. And we had to really just figure out what to do and how to go about things. So what do you do? You just throw yourself back into your work. And I thought we were doing okay and I thought we would do it. But, you know, years down the track, I realised probably was just going through motions without knowing what was going on. And there was a whole lot of changes in our place and we tried to reorganise things. And someone made a very good point to me, uh, a guy who I, I turned to for some advice on occasion, on a regular occasion, and he made a very good point to me and he said, Ronnie, you had a certain rhythm. All business has a rhythm. And he said two things happened. This is probably about my, so my brother was gone in 2015, probably around four or five years later when we'd gone through a few tough years. And my dad had also been involved in our business. My brother and I dragged him into our business because we wanted him. And so it was a real family business and he was a good finance guy. So it all worked. And, you know, there was a whole lot of trust. We could all work together. And my dad retired. My dad's still alive and he's 91. And, and he finally sort of decided that was enough for him at about 85 or 86. 
And uh, we lost a bit of rhythm. I had one partner who, who unfortunately died, another partner who retired. I got people to replace them, so, you know, but, but it, it's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah. So the reason I brought that into play was just prior to COVID, we'd had a couple of not-so-great years. It's life. It happens, you know. We just And we realised there was probably, with hindsight, it was a reflection of that turbulence going through, but it took a while for it to manifest itself or to really become apparent. And, you know, these are also some of the things in business. You don't always get a result straight away for the good or for the not-so-good. And then COVID comes along. And honestly, Wayne, you want to know what I was thinking? Staring into the abyss. Mm. And I wouldn't have been the only one. Mm. And I honestly, I can still remember, I thought to myself, is this what it comes to after at the time? It would have been about 37 years. I said, is this what it comes to? We'll end up having to close up and, you know, because anyway, lo and behold, a couple of divisions of our business went through the roof. Go figure. But we've all, not all of us, because there was one division which went very, had very difficult times because that industry was decimated in the greater world. But things picked up. So what it did teach us, we went from staring into the abyss within about a six or eight-week period to realising there might still be some work to be had here and we have to be on top of our game. Mm. And here we are thinking, how am I going to meet obligations two months earlier? And within, If it wasn't two months, it was three months. But it was a sh- relatively short period of time. We're going through um, isolate. Do all those things, right? Your business managed to roll on. We were fortunate enough as a warehousing operation, we were considered uh, essential to the machinations of the country and so we could stay open. And, and the one blessing we had from the governments, be it state or federal, was we did not lose one day of work. That's amazing. It was just amazing. We had, didn't have full staff all the time for various reasons, but we could at least stay open and generate business and business picked up in certain areas and went into overdrive. So we had to adjust and adapt accordingly from ready to pull the shutters down, basically, to go, shit, we've got to buy more stock. Off we go. And to me, that was adaptability. We had to jettison a few jobs, but I think it was like two or three out of 40-odd. So in the scheme of things, it's difficult for the other people who had to had to leave, but we did find out that they got into other roles fairly quickly, so we felt not so bad about that because, you know, it was a hard thing to do. But you also saved a lot of jobs. And let me just grab that as you know, some more of the things that we we're talking about there that we'll come back to. But I, I do want to pick pick up on this because, again, you know, I know so many folks, you know, in, in your sort of situation, whether it be, you know, a COVID time or just other difficult times in an organisation where you kind of have to adjust the size of your organisation. People will talk about kind of, just how difficult it is to stare down a decision to have to reduce headcount and then go and convey that message. But, you know, what what I'm hearing from you, and, and, and I invite you to elaborate on that a little bit, what I'm hearing from you is you have to kind of like stare past that and look at the greater team and do, you know, and remind yourself that it's about the preservation of the greater team. That's an extremely valid point. It was a very difficult lesson for me to learn. My whole ethic for, for 30 to 40 years has been if we provide someone with employment, it's our obligation to make sure they have employment. Mm. Someone has come along and put their trust in us. You've said you're going to give me a job. It's our obligation to give them meaningful work. And along the way in these sorts of difficult times, I was often very reticent to let people go. And at times 
was to the detriment of the company. And if I'm really being critical, and no reason not to be, because not everything I've done has been so great, possibly it was just simply just you wanting to be a good bloke and you want to be the good guy. But you are 100% right. You have to look past that. And it's something that my management team taught me because they'd lived through it in other places. And sometimes I was loyal to a fault. And, you know, you hear all these old things, hire slow, fire fast, all that sort of thing. I don't really, I get it. I don't really like it, but I get it. But you have an obligation. The greater good has to come. Yeah. And I think the, we've all heard that, you know, the, Higher, slow, fire, fast, and and there's a powerful message in it, but can be overused, right? And I think, you know, I remember once, you know, I was in the pharmaceutical industry for a while, and and you know, I found myself working under a, a general manager responsible for a sales team. I was working for a general manager who had this belief that we had to have the biggest sales team in Australia, and I always thought we didn't have the need for it, nor did we actually have the financial base to support it. And and his view was, we'll just hire them, and they'll generate the extra sales. And it was one of those funny times where we had some some really kind of rough conversations because I believe that there's times when you need to do that, but you've also got to make sure that you've got to have a complete belief that the market's there to be taken as compared to I just think it's going to come from the sky. And the view that you have, which is you never treat that hiring decision lightly because when you actually offer someone a job, you have an extraordinary responsibility to them and recognising their you know their family and all of the you know all of the people that are relying on that pay packet, and you just don't you just don't take those decisions lightly, right? That's exactly right. It's a big obligation. People are trusting you so that they can put bread on their table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Hard Yards in Leadership, where leaders share the stories of their hardest yards in their leadership journeys. I hope every leader who hears these stories recognises that the things that they find hard are the same things that the rest of us leaders find hard too. It's my dream that every leader finds the joy in leading. It'll help you be a happier person, a better leader for your business, and a better leader for those that you lead. If you like the show, please subscribe, drop us a review, and most importantly, share to others who may benefit from it too. Now back to the show. Ron, I'm going to ask you because... You know, a, a huge part of what we what we seek to provide in this podcast is an opportunity for for younger leaders to hear from more experienced, sometimes very experienced leaders, and realize that often the things that the younger leaders are finding difficult, we all still find difficult. So let me just throw throw at you over the years, what's the thing that you've found most difficult? to have to deal with as a leader? Conflict is difficult for me personally. Hard conversations when someone is not performing, which is what we touched on just before, I'd say that would be most of it. I've never really worried about dealing with our suppliers or our customers. I can tell you, if we're talking about giving advice, if that's where we're at, I know some of the things that I, one of the things that I didn't understand how to do, and that was go and seek out a mentor. Yeah. I've only done that sort of thing. I've joined a a business group about six or seven years ago, I think, and I find that a real oasis. 
there are people who are in CEOs or leadership roles. They're either senior managers of either APAC divisions or of a worldwide company. And no matter how big the turnover is, no matter how many staff we have, we, it's amazing the similarity of the problems. Yeah. And then we have different views on them. So we, we sit around a table once a month and we discuss it. And, and I find it really invigorating. I find the people I'm, I'm around interesting mm-hmm. and have great ideas that I can draw off and hopefully they can draw off some of mine. It was, I think, probably this sort of thing was probably offered to me 15 years ago instead of seven years. I didn't know how to take hold of it. Yeah. So I've got to say, find a mentor, find a group. If it costs you some money, it'll be money well spent. You get yeah. one idea a year, you've more than paid for your money. You've more than paid for it. And I've had a few great ideas. I wish I would have known to do that much, much earlier in my career. Mm. So it's sometimes not so much the things that have happened to you, but other things that haven't happened to you that you can look back on and go, you know, you don't like to regret. I don't really regret too many things in my business life because, like I said earlier, I've made the decision and I roll with it. And if I, I learn from it down the track, that's great. If I'm allowed to give another bit of advice against that question, is that okay? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, t- I spoke before about trust of the people around me. You asked how you can deal with it. So something else that is really strong for me, integrity. Integrity is a big one for a leader. You know, you, you wondered before about how we change as things go along. I wonder where we all learned to lie. Because most of us, let's say, have gone... Growing up in a home, hopefully, that was okay. You had parents that would um, give you your values. No one ever brought you up and said, hey, I think you should learn to lie and lie well. I don't know where we learn or we not so much we learn to because we all tell little porkies and, and little white fibs and call them what you want. But I don't know where a lot of people learned that it was okay to do it in business. I don't know where, where that light switch went off in someone's head. So, no, it's all right. I'll just tell them a lie. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's the avoidance of conflict. But the integrity to me is a big thing. All the people in this place know if I tell them I'll do something, I'll make my best effort to do something. Do I always do it? No. I get busy, I get this, I get that, all sorts of things. I probably do the same thing at home as well. But I'll tell you one thing, Wayne, if I ever say to someone I promise, that's a done deal. Yeah, my personal thing, I don't really like contracts. I've signed the odd contract one day and it's usually caused me grief. I've got some companies that I've done business with for over 30 years on a handshake. To this day, they're still on a handshake. I represent companies from around the world and they can walk away tomorrow. We put all the effort in, built brands, built all sorts of things. But to me, it's it's your words, your bond. Yeah. Any young leader out there, I would say, or any older leader if you want, and that might be too little, too late, but... Keep your integrity and drill it into the people who work with you. We've always said to the guys there, tell the client the truth. If the goods aren't going to leave today, tell them. Are they going to yell at you? There's a good chance because they had to leave today. Tell them the truth. Yeah. It's an incredibly valuable lesson. And, you know, there's, there's so much in the literature about, you know, kind of how to be a good leader and all those sorts of things. And, you know, a lot of it, I think, for people who are, trying to kind of run their organisations and deal with the stuff that goes on and learn this leadership at the same time, this leadership thing, you know, it can be quite overwhelming. 
But I think whenever something is overwhelming, get down to what are the what are the things that really are at the centre of the circle? Because if you get most of those right, that's probably your 80%. And if you get the 80% right, sometimes the 20% will look after itself or you live without it. But, you know, I think your point, you know, is extraordinarily well made. You know, as a, as a leader, if you have the trust of your team, just about everything else will be manageable. If you don't demonstrate integrity and in saying things like I promise and meaning it, versus I'll try to because, you know, they're different words. And sometimes I think people slide into using words cheaply and I think words like I promise should have a meaning. I think, again, for people listening who are kind of going, what are some of those just fundamental things that I need to get right as a, as a leader to make sure that my team really does come with me? And, and part of that is also recognising that your team will actually overlook a whole bunch of your human faults if they fundamentally trust you. But if they fundamentally don't trust you, you can have all manner of other things going for you. And man, you're you're paddling your canoe upstream, right? 100%. 100%. And, and you made the point. The team have to trust you and you have to try. And what I said earlier was you have to trust the team. You made that point earlier. It's, it's very strong. You've got that trust is mutual. So Ron, this is a bit of fun now because part of the way I usually conclude the episodes is is with a bit of a fun question. Now, I happen to know that in your very early days, you may have done a little bit of a stint as, as a painter. I'm not sure if that was as an, as an artist, but I, I know you, you did drive a, a paintbrush and a roller around for a buck for a while there. So this one's right down your alley. Okay, so, so here we go. I'm going to give you a bucket of paint and a paintbrush and you get the chance to write some words on the wall opposite where you usually work. So whenever you look up, those words are staring back at you. What do you write? <laughs> words to live by? Is that what we're talking about? There you go. Might be some small catchphrases more than words, but fun, honesty, integrity. Might be a subtle difference there, I'm not sure. People in this place years ago when I came back from a trip once said, we've just discovered that you're a distraction. <laughs> So I think that better go up there too. <laughs> be a distraction or don't be a distraction? No, I'm, I'll be a distraction. <laughs> They're going to boot me out one day, they'll boot me out. <laughs> but it, it is fun to wander around and, and talk to the people and, and meet up in the uh, offices or down in the warehouse, you know. And footy season's always a great time. Talk, talk, crash talk each other and, you know, it's great. I love the fact that people don't think twice about giving it to me. That's part of it. So, yeah, distraction, fun, honesty, integrity. A little bit. They're good words to live by. They are good words to live by. And I'll give you a phrase. Sorry. I will give you a phrase. And, and it, it ties with all the others, but, it, but it's, it's in simpler words. Do the right thing. I think that's often forgotten, Wayne. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just to jump back in. Mm. Do the right thing. We've run by that for 40 years. We do the right thing by our suppliers. We do the right thing by our customers. People forget that we're a customer too. Yeah. You know, we yeah. buy and sell products. So I'm a customer. So I get it when someone says, oh, you're just a supplier. Well, I'm not just a supplier. I'm a bloody customer as well. So I also demand excellence in the products I get. I demand good service. We give it. So we, we expect it as well. Sorry, I digressed a bit, but do the right thing. It's not a single word, but it's a really important catchphrase. If you keep doing that, you're not going to get caught out too often. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, Ron, if, yeah, it's a great kind of place to close off because we, we've got a phrase of do the right thing. We've got, we've got this concept of fun, honesty, and integrity. 
And, you know, you talk about kind of just your role in walking around and, and chatting to folks in the business and, you know, your natural style is to have a bit of fun with people, but you also demonstrate that you can be relaxed and having a bit of fun with people when you're just walking around and at other times you make the decisions that need to be made. And I think, you know, again, kind of get back to the purpose of this podcast and why we do this and, and what I hope that listeners get. We want to give newer leaders a sense of some of the longer to learn lessons of leadership that, that those of us that have been doing it for a lot longer have worked out. And I think the more of those that we can convey, the more we can help people kind of accelerate their maturing process as a leader. And it's so incredibly powerful as a leader of a business and an owner of a business to be able to walk around at different times and just have a chat with people and just be in the moment with them and demonstrate care for them and interest in them. Be someone that will always, always demonstrate integrity and, and honesty and people will work in extraordinarily hard for you. They'll think extraordinarily hard for you. And, you know, you put, you put all of those things together with a simple catchphrase of do the right thing. And, you know, you've probably got a formula for a very successful business over a lot of years. And, the writing's on the on the page, my friend. It's uh, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's on my wall now. I've got to go and get my paintbrush out. <laughs> exactly. I want a photo of that. <laughs> hey, Ron, this has been it's been a pleasure. It's been an honour to you know have this much of your time and and you know have you kind of share you know your perspectives with us. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are going to get a tremendous amount of value from it. And and you know I thank you tremendously. I really appreciate it, Wayne. It's been a pleasure to do this. Uh, it's it's been um, an enjoyable process, and I'll echo the thought that you just said. If someone can get a little something out of that, then it's been definitely been worthwhile, and, and that'd be great. And, and I wish everybody out there who's listening to this who might get something out of it. Good luck in your leadership uh, role and in the challenges that you'll face. And, and no doubt you will meet them head on and, and come out doing well. So I wish everybody good luck. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for listening to another incredible episode where successful leaders share their hardest yards. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to let people know by sharing the episode around and rating and reviewing the podcast on the platform you listen on. Feel free to join our online community on LinkedIn, you can find the link in our show notes. I look forward to seeing you next week. Meanwhile, keep learning, find the joy in what you do, and keep believing in yourself as a leader. Yeah.